an emotional hug with your wife right there. Who do you hope these wins are inspiring? Yeah, hopefully the next generation, and especially my son back home. Trace boy, it's for you, big dog. Um, you know, my kids, they see the work that dad puts in, and it means everything to me that my kids can watch me not only fail, but they watch me win as well, and that's what it takes to be a champion. All right, we are all the way to episode number six here in Full Swing Thoughts, the podcast where we analyze and overanalyze the Netflix documentary Full Swing. Guys, we finally got there. Sam, we've been waiting a long time. What did you think of the Scott Piercy episode? <laughs> I had to be reminded that Scott Piercy was, in fact, uh, leading that tournament. So um, obviously this was completely about Tony Finau and Colin Morikawa, and I'm sure we're supposed to give our kind of opening remarks about the overall impression we had of the episode. Again, I would say, you know, had a lot of redeeming qualities. It worked for me on a lot of different levels. Um, you know, we've now seen three or four episodes in which they're trying to sort of have two storylines at once. Um, this felt the most forced to me. Um, frankly, even more so than the previous episode of Matthew Fitzpatrick and Dustin Johnson. Um, and I think one of the things I'll say, and we can talk about it more, is the fact that I happen to like both of these guys. Like, I like them as players. I like them as personalities. I actually felt like that worked against them because I was finding myself nitpicky, especially as it relates to Morikawa, being like, oh, God, they're portraying him the wrong way. Um, whereas I felt like with Kepka, there was a lot of room to improve my perspective of him, similarly with Poulter. So that was that's one thing I struggled with. I, you know, I'm surprised. I, I had said at the end of the last episode that we did, uh, Tony Finau and Colin Morikawa, I was like, how the heck are they going to pull that off? I think they actually pulled it off. Um, you know, just them coming from maybe slightly different backgrounds than, than most of the, the guys on the tour. Um, the whole getting into golf because of Tiger. Um, I, I just, I don't know what it was. And in I actually wrote down when, when Finau was then videoing Tiger walking up 18 at the open, I was like, they did it. They pulled it off. Like they kind of tied it all together. And I, I don't know what it was. I, I, so I, I really enjoyed the episode, but again, to your point, Sam, a lot of that has to do with the fact that um, everybody loves Tony Finau and Kyle Morikawa as well is a bright young star, very engaging. So that certainly helped as well. But overall, again, I came into it with the low expectations. Maybe that was part of it. I, I thought they pulled it off uh, and it surprised me. I am glad I waited for you both to go because I, I take the exact middle position <laughs> between the two of you, really, because I, I wrote down, this is the best and worst of this series right now. Hmm. The best, I thought they did a great job depicting Tony Finau. Um, I don't know if I'm just emotional today, but I cried like three times, like, or just <laughs> at least got misty three times listening to him talk about his mother. There's so many firsts in that first year, the first day without her, the first week, the first month, the first Thanksgiving, Christmas. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I just thought that stuff was powerful. But then the other thing I wrote down is the, uh, I wrote down the phrase, the imagined discourse. Uh, it could also be called like the invented discourse oh, where over going. and over it's talking about like you have all these talking heads going, everybody's questioning whether Finau uh, having his family is the <laughs> I literally yeah. have never heard it in my life one time. <laughs> yeah. And, and also the thing about him not winning, Alex, you were at this tournament. For me, that ended when he outdueled John Rahm and Cameron Smith to win the, the last Northern Trust. 
Okay. Like I know it was only a second win, but it was quite a significant win. And he was very, this was in 2021. He was very right. clutch that day. And so that was overdone. Um, and again, the, the storyline of him and his family, I was like, in terms of the family being a distraction, again, the family stuff with his mom and supporting his wife, that was great. And I loved it. Yeah. The stuff being a distraction, come on. Well, and then the other thing, the other thing I just want to say quickly is that if I were Colin Morikawa, I would be very upset with the depiction of me in this episode. Really good. Obviously, I set my standards, set the goals really high. And I think about what have I learned is the biggest thing is just taking care of myself. Good. Full focus. People take being selfish as a bad thing. Like it, it's a good thing. So you I, covered, you covered sorry, almost yeah. all of my grievances. And to be very <laughs> clear, just to what Alex said, this episode did work for me. Almost all of the Tony Fino stuff worked for me. Oh, a lot. The, so, yeah, so I loved it. Um, but two things really bothered me. Shane, you touched on them both. One was that invented narrative. Now, the fact that it's not it's not an invented narrative that Tony Fino values his family, he's all about family. That's true. True. But Henny, our former colleague Henny, the quote. I was curious to see how he would get on at the open without his family there. I, I, I no strongly, I strongly <laughs> doubt that that was an open question you had in your mind right. before the open. So yeah. they were inventing a storyline. This was suddenly this thing he was struggling with playing without his family. I get it. They're trying to create a storyline. I think we we're also all guilty of knowing a lot of about these guys. And so it's like, you know, what I was thinking about with this episode or with this show in general is like, you know, when you read a book, Alex, you don't read books, but most of us who read books and then we see the movie I read a couple of years, you read a book and then you see a movie and you're like, Oh, the movie's terrible. They didn't talk about that. They didn't do that. And right, you, right, you, right, your right. experience yeah. reading the book in many uh, ways ruins your uh, enjoyment of the movie. There are a lot of that is applying to this because yeah. we have, Yes. The, uh, the burden of knowing certain things. So knowing that that's not a thing was a challenge for me. The other thing that I was going to say that really bothered me, and again, the reason why it didn't work was I felt the depiction of Morikawa was very one-dimensional um, and fairly, frankly, misleading. Like, you know, they made him out to be this sort of, um, this like corporate uh, entity that was, you know, you know, like kind of invented by a team of marketers. Like you have them in that room. It reminded me of Entourage when, you know, Vince sits down with all the agents <laughs> to kind yeah. of craft up his new, it was, he's going through his scripting for the, whatever the masters of the players championship. It just made him seem out to be this like soulless touring professional. When Colin Murakawa is a really personable, great, relatable player, you know, not Joel Damon relatable, but, but far more relatable than he was depicted and they, I think they wanted to create that contrast between, you know, Tony, who's this family guy, very, um, you know, not cutthroat. So they, so they went the other way with Colin, which I don't feel like was an accurate depiction. They set him up. I mean, like now may, maybe uh, again, I don't know Colin as well as you do. I've interacted with him. He's always been nice and certainly didn't strike me as, as bloodless as they made him out to be here. Uh, but yeah, it was, we've said before, they live and die on contrast. You've seen it almost every single episode. In this one, like you said, the family man, the the guy with heart, and then the the corporate robot. I mean, it right. was like, uh, yeah, there's a lot to say about that. But the scene you mentioned, the clothing scene. Only have a swatch as of now, but it is the correct material. So you can feel it's lightweight, full of stretch. Fresh color palette to it for sure. Wanted to get your take on pairing that with Olive. I don't know. I don't know about that. It's just, I don't think it's my style. Okay. I think it's your style. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I, by the way, I could have watched that for like an hour, I think. That, just that clothing scene. But what did he say to the guy 
Uh, that's your style. style. That's not my style. I think it's your, your style. style. Yeah. <laughs> so guy, good. And the guy just had to take it and like nod yeah. and be like, ah, oh, yes, yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it was, it, I mean, whether or not like, again, I don't, I don't know Tony or Colin Morikawa enough to say that it's not accurate. I really, I don't. Sam, you know better. What? But like, it was not favorable. I'll say that. I certainly didn't think it was favorable. I don't profess to know Colin that well. I've obviously interacted with him a few times. So, but but even the the opening introduction to him is they show Tony with his family goofing around, uh, and then the next shot is Colin on a plane. So you're already you're already starting to frame him a certain way. Where you know we know Colin Morikawa is this kind of you know the guy who took his uh, his girlfriend's uh, picture for them, like selfie, like he's just like a down to earth regular guy kind of finding his way on the tour. So anyway, Alex, I'm sure you have a thought on that, but that was one thing that stood out for me. Well, first of all, I just want to say it was really funny watching the clothing scene because as Sam knows I did that story. I thought of you. I went to Adidas. I sat in that room, shout out to uh, Jeff Liner, Sean Madigan. They were in the video uh, with, with Kyle and uh, my, my guy, Joel Munson. Maybe they'll send me some more stuff. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I went there. I did it. I sat there. I was, I was Xander Shoffley that day. They went around. We, I got the experience. So that does really happen. And, and that was before, obviously, Morikawa really, you know, broke onto the scene. So it, I, look, I get it. It, it, it. They did portray him um, a lot different than Finau. But look, he's at such a different stage of his life, which they did point out. I mean, he's the young guy. He's like the guy who's already achieved the superstardom, whereas like Finau has never quite gotten to that level. So you could see why he's already more in those types of meetings and everything else. Um, he doesn't have the family to worry about. They ask him about that. He says, wow, I don't know how Tony does it. Um, so you're right. They do like to create the contrast. You know, there is a contrast there. Finau's mid thirties and married with a million kids and, and uh, Colin is, you know, well, he just got married, I guess. Right. But engaged at the time. So definitely a contrast there. Um, I, I didn't think he came across as bad or anything. I just, uh, I agree. They could have definitely gone more into it. And certainly as you saw, it was pretty split for the first half of the episode. And then the last like 20 minutes was all female. So there, yeah. there wasn't a balance there. Um, you know, the one thing is funny too. And we keep talking about how things just happen that they can't control. They're talking about this. The, the one narrative that they did keep hitting, which is true, is the female gets killed for not winning enough. People are allowed to think whatever they want. They're, they have the right to their opinion. Uh, a win is a win. Isn't that funny how we always ask, why isn't Tony Finau winning more? And then he wins. And then we're finding reasons to, to not give him the credit <laughs> he deserves. And then all of a sudden at the end, he goes on this winning streak against bad fields and, and whatever. But it's kind of funny that that almost didn't happen if it weren't for Scott Piercy choking like a dog mm -hmm. in that one tournament. <laughs> and there is one clip from an announcer that says, you know, he's he's had so many close calls, but he's really just had bad luck. And like, it's kind of true. And then now yeah. he finally gets some good luck and then boom, all of a sudden you're on a winning streak and now you're one of the best players in the world. So I thought that was interesting how that, that worked out for them this time. Yeah, the right. uh, what was his quote at the end? A winner is just a loser. Who oh, never gave oh up. it's great win at losing for Sam. Well, I mean, that's right. Yeah, I, I was going to touch about the end of the episode. You know, worked for me on so many levels. I mean, it was such great. The airport um, scene was amazing. Yeah, I mean, and just really you know, so much. You know, so many great lines I wrote down from Tony. One of them was, you know, there was no plan B for me. You know, they show him yeah. in his old Salt Lake City neighborhood, his garage with the dents from hitting golf balls, and you know, the, the, the implication was, you know, this guy needed this, like, this was not just something he wanted to do. It was like a side 
project for him. It was something that he, he, he needed to, to advance out of his, his current situation. So I, um, a lot of the Tony storyline was great. And, you know, I felt, I found to be authentic. Like he's a, uh, you know, extremely likable guy. He was our you know nicest guy on the PGA tour, um, winner this year. And it's, you know, that's why it's like, it, you're right, Alex. It started as kind of 50, 50. And then it sort of like the last, what 18 minutes was like, eh, never mind about Colin. We're just going to stick with Tony. <laughs> so it, it just, they didn't really see it through. And, you know, I don't know what else to do. Let's be clear. Also, you know, we're again, entering the kind of nitpicky phase of talking about this uh, filmmaking, you know, this is all very difficult. Um, I'm a golf writer. I don't profess to be a, a critic of, of television. I think again, they have exceeded my expectations based on what I thought this was going to be after the first episode. It still really works. They're doing a phenomenal job of, of telling the story of a lot of different guys and a lot of events. Um, but there's certain things that are, are sort of, you know, that bother me or, you know, clang for me, I should say. Um, and I think part of that is a byproduct of knowing sort of the, the, you know, the, the rhythm of a golf season and, and some of these players. Well, and by the way, gonna... the, the F1 show, same exact yeah. criticisms when it came out, yeah. uh, maybe less the first season, but increasingly from F1 people, right? Like the kind of thing we wouldn't know watching, we just get to enjoy it. But to say it's, it is a certain kind of documentary technique they are doing, which is perhaps more entertainment than docu than true rigorous documentary. Uh, there's always a storytelling aspect to, to a documentary movie. There's always stuff you have to leave out, but they, they, the things they choose sometimes are, I don't, it's boring to get into an ethics discussion, but you could have an ethics discussion about it where it's like, I, I don't think you're wrong to bring those points up. And I don't think we need to apologize. And maybe they don't need to apologize either. Cause they're saying, we're trying to entertain you and we're telling this story, but there are certain things that are not really true. And this was a the good example, like the, like the Henny soundbite. And by the way, when we talk about the sound bites that the talking heads give, it's probably important to make the point that you shouldn't really blame them. No, hundred percent. It's not right? fair. Because I think they're probably being directed uh, oh, what to say, in a lot yeah. of cases. And so I don't like blame Henny for saying it or anything, just like I don't blame Dylan or Amanda. They all kind of, or Sean Foley, they all contributed to that. However, there are, there are these things that are like, okay, you wanted well, to make this, you wanted to make this story because Tony won twice. And so you built it up in this way and it doesn't quite pass the taste test. No, I mean, let's just be clear about something. These pro these guys all probably gave, you know, hours of of interviews and said a lot of profound things the fact that they didn't use those things and gave some mundane or some sort of uh sound bites that just happened to work you know within the flow of the storyline is not their fault it's it's the it's it's just you know it's what like we use quotes from people you know we're trying to find things that service a certain uh yeah. connective tissue for the storyline and it just you know so they shouldn't be blamed uh, to the extent that we're probably blaming them it reminds me of um, the Sasha Baron Cohen's uh, new show. It's called This is America. But one of the techniques they use is they get politicians on and they interview them for hours. And in hour number three, in the midst of it, they get them to endorse like handguns for kindergartners. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing that goes on the show. And they, they kind of like sneak it by them. This is not the same thing by any means, but it is to your point. Like if you're doing that work for them and you're, you're giving all this insight, you don't have time to argue over every single thing. Eventually you say something. And like you said, it, it becomes useful. It gets used. And, and then people like us complain about it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Obviously what happened is, you know, they, they have Fina, they have Morikawa. Morikawa, they hit on it. I mean, he didn't win last year, which was kind of bizarre and, and surprising and, not that he didn't have his moments. That's been amazing. <laughs> it really has. Enjoy the year. 
It's been nothing like it. It's been fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you. And hopefully we'll give it back to you on Sunday. Absolutely. He turned back in the, the open trophy and then it was kind of like he turned over the episode to Fino because then he actually won and they had kind of already addressed where Morikawa was, Morikawa was uh, during that season. So I'm not going to, again, I, a lot of this is dictated by what then actually happened. So I'm not going to kill them too much. I don't, I think we all agree that, you know, once we found out this wasn't just going to be a chronological account of the season that we kind of like that they just pursue, you know, the topics that are interesting. And, um, and, and again, both these guys are very interesting and, and entertaining. Should they have been put together? I don't know, but again, I was surprised that it worked as well as it did, especially with the tiger connection at the and at the open and everything else. The one thing I was going to say is I don't get why they shoehorned in the tiger at the masters in that earlier episode, which one was it at, um, yeah, Scheffler. The, the Scheffler Brooks yeah. episode. And then yeah. they go back and do it again in well, this one. I remember getting off the 7T, which was the first opportunity I had to talk to Tiger. You know, I was a little bit of that awkward silence. Asked him how the kids were doing and looked over at me. I was like, they're fine. And he just started to walk a little faster. But I got the message that he didn't want to talk. They should have just done it in this one because... The Finau connection, having played with Tiger a few years ago, and and then they're comparing how these guys got in because I don't get what they kind of did the same Tiger story twice. That, so let's that talk. Weird. Let's let's talk about the timing for a second because we've talked about it pretty much in every episode how they jump around. And I think maybe it was the last uh, recording that we did. I asked the question like, are we supposed to view these as uh, individual entities or as sort of a thread, you know, from one to eight? Because and and we we basically said, well, if it's if it's the former. If they're just supposed to be individual episodes, and we can't really blame them. I now am of the belief, though, that that's a miss. If that is, in fact, their intention, which it is, it is a miss in the sense that, you know, a golf season has, uh, has a, there's a narrative, you know, across the season. There's a, there's a, there's a rhythm to it. There are things that happen. And, you know, one of, if we're, if you're trying to portray what the golf season is like and what the, the world of professional golf is like, then you need to, I think, convey that, you know, the season starts this way and you build towards the majors and you have certain things you want to achieve. And then there's a conclusion to just kind of jump back to the masters, then go to the open. Then go, it, it, I feel like they're not, they're, they're squandering an opportunity to explain one of the important elements of golf of, in, of the professional golf landscape. Disagree. Yeah. Well, I just think there's so many players and there's so many tournaments that if you did that, it would be really hard because everybody's the same. It's like, oh, I want to gear up for the majors. And then, you you know, oh, now the Fed, you know what I mean? Like, it would kind of be the same thing over and over again. Um, what? This, you can kind of, you're right. You can almost watch, you could watch the the matter order. It really almost doesn't matter. Yeah. Um I, I have no, and I don't have a solution because right. they've, 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 they've chosen the, they've if chosen they, the episode, the events that work best for telling these guys stories. So I, exactly. I don't really have a solution. Here's the deal. I think if they had four golfers and they tracked them for the whole season, then they could have done that. Right. They, but because they wanted to get all these big names and, and a mix of guys, they got, what did they end up getting like 20 guys involved mm -hmm. or something. I just think it's, it just would be impossible to do it that way. And, and so Again, it'd be great to ask Chad Mum if, like, if they changed the direction based on who they got, how many people they got, um, 
you know, the, the, the arc, how, how they changed, how they, they went about this narrative. Um, because you're I think right now it is more just like, you know, each episode kind of stands on its own and, and I'm okay with that. I, I, I they loosely tie in, but I, I think it makes it more entertaining by, by doing it this way. So for what it's worth, I've referenced a good walk spell before and how that was sort of, you know, an earlier version of what they're trying to do with this. I will say the thing that that book did and what Feinstein has done throughout his books is he will he will do it somewhat sequentially. He will talk about something that happened at an event and it'll be like, you know, Greg Norman uh, took a two shot lead into the weekend. Uh, he finally had his putting working for him. And then it's like, you know, uh, page break, new paragraph. And it was like Greg Bor- uh, Norman was born in Brisbane, Australia. And they would mm-hmm. tell his story. That's, I guess, what they could have done is they yeah. could have they could have shown these events and like make it more around the events and the 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 schedule, and then have it as a jumping off point to talk about that individual person. Really hard to do, and probably in doing that, you're going to sacrifice some of the things you want to be able to do. Um, but that's how you would have been able to cover these guys because you kind of show the chronology of the season and you just find opportunities to sort of break off and go down this tangent with player X and player Y. There's another great book that does that slaying the tiger. It came out in 2015. <laughs> it's a, it exactly. does the chronological thing, but it dips out to tell the stories. And uh, I knew that know, Shane, I knew that actually. Yes. So good many, point. many people, many people say it's even better. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but really it's, it's a great point and a great argument. And really the F1 documentary, not to sound like a broken record, but they do do that. They're, you know, they're sorry. This is the beginning of the season in Melbourne, Australia. And then we talk about, um, you know, th- whatever driver is going to win or compete that week. And then they go into his backstory. They visit his sure. home in England or whatever. So it's not impossible to do that, even though you're on a more restricted, um, you know, timeline with, with filmmaking than you are with writing, obviously. Um, I think... <laughs> it makes it tough in golf that golf is itself episodic and the episodes are the four majors and they don't have a real chronology to them. I think that makes their job more difficult. Uh, I guess what we're left with is like, it's almost like a Tarantino thing, like a Pulp Fiction thing where you're like, wait, I saw that before, you know, it's out of order. All all these stories are coming out of order. And I agree. It's like a little confusing. I, there was a part of me that kind of liked seeing Tiger at the open uh, in this one, in the same context Mm -hmm. as we saw him at the masters. Uh, you know, he, like almost like he was like haunting the episodes. Like he's just like a background presence. I didn't hate that. But then Alex, to your point, it's like there is over and over and not just with Tiger. There's these things we revisit. Like we saw Scotty Scheffler again on the last day. And yeah, your mileage may vary with that stuff. For me, it does seem repetitive at times rather than uh, a, like a nice callback or something like that. I just saw my first note for the whole thing is, Tony Finau's dad is the man. What decided that we're going to teach these kids how to play golf? I had no idea. I literally thought of this has got to be the dumbest game ever. Tennis, so much easier. <laughs> I, oh, I, totally. thought was, I thought he was awesome. Like, Why do you just play tennis? Yeah. This is the yeah, dumbest yeah, sport. Yeah. Tennis is such an easy sport. <laughs> oh, I didn't know a damn thing about golf. Oh, and uh, and Sam mentioned before, but the stuff with the garage and um, and then sneaking him over to the, a course to chip or, or go to the, you know, splurging on range balls once a week. You couldn't afford range balls. So we're going to say, we'll go pound the mattresses and we'll go once a week to the range and see where we at and see how straight the balls are. <laughs> that, that stuff was great. I'm sorry. I'm now jumping into kind of like our favorite parts of the episode here, but that was great. Um, I, there, there was a couple of good behind the scenes stuff with Morikawa. We talked about the clothing stuff, the, the when he, he couldn't get the, uh, the glove to fit and he was having like a sizing issue with the glove that's really annoying 
I'm being a real big stickler on this, but it's nice to have a glove that fits right. I just have weird size hands. But even then, he it comes across as pretty petulant there. Like, well, I he's a pers persnickety. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, he's a, he's a master craftsman. I mean, yeah. you know, things have <laughs> but, to be perfect for them. I mean, right. by the way, like, because the thing, again, that I'm, I am sort of uh, lamenting is I find Colin Morikawa's backstory and his uh, path to greatness to be fascinating. You know, here was this guy who like really was kind of a mid-level junior and just kind of decided he wanted to get, he wanted to get better and better. And I just felt like they tried to create uh, this persona of this guy who was sort of destined for greatness. He was supposed to be the next great player as if he didn't work his own, you know, his tail off himself. Um, so anyway, that was, that was kind of one of the reasons why that bothered me. It's okay. also, I, I do wonder if you're almost at the mercy of what the guys gave you where Tony Fina obviously yeah. was like, come into my house anytime you want. You know, yeah. they were as open as they could be. And Morikawa might've not wanted to do that. Um, the Max Homa is one where we're not seeing a ton of him because he basically established some hard limits where he said, mm -hmm. like, I don't want you to come to my house or, you know, maybe he will in future seasons or whatever, but he, this time he didn't. Uh, whereas Joel Damon did Joel Damon said, you know, come do what you want. And Tony Fina, when I, when I spoke to him for the story, I wrote about the series was very open in saying he knew exactly, you know, he knew the F1 series drive to survive and he knew the opportunity it presented. So he made the business choice to, right. to be as open as he could. Uh, but, you, so, but you just, you just, return to one of the things we said earlier which was okay so knowing that colin morikawa was not going to give you a lot again big fan of colin morikawa if he's not going to give you a lot don't make an episode about him right yeah. you know again ian poulter joel damon lesser players right now lesser names they gave you more and as a result they had more interesting episodes and i feel like tony finau you know way more interesting part of this episode than colin in large part because he 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 was willing to go there yeah. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I, I, maybe I know I'm not felt, wrong. <laughs> okay. Uh, maybe. maybe they <laughs> now, <felt> I, <laughs> now, now I'm wrong. I'm sounding like an asshole. But anyway, now, now I'm intimidated. You know, real yeah. Morikawa type over here. Our yeah, contrast <laughs> is Alex, yeah. the, da the down-home family man versus yeah. uh, the podcasting diva. Uh, no, I think <laughs> they, they may have felt compelled to by the fact that he's really, you know, the best young player out there. I mean, that, that yeah. might be the simple answer. But you're right. Maybe you get to the editing room floor and you go, this is – Weird or whatever, but again, they saw a contrast and they went with it. Um, it's tough to say. It, it is, actually, this would be a great question for Chad Mom. We've probably yeah. talked it out at this point, but it is. Right. Uh, yeah, let's let's note it because I think he'll probably have a have a lot of insight into that. But but let's 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 spend some time on things we like because again, I th I think we're spending we spent okay. a lot of time talking about things we didn't like. There was a lot of things at this episode that were that worked yes. really well for me. Yes. So I, we already I mentioned the airport scene. Everybody waiting for Fina. That was amazing. Can I just say, um, uh, like, real quick, Alex, on that yeah. scene, uh, as somebody like who loves comedy, the button of his son getting ratted out by his siblings in the car. Yeah. <laughs> How was that, Drake boy? It was cool. Did you get my shout out? Yeah. Yeah, but Drake was talking bad about you. No way. Yeah. <laughs> for oh. talking shit about his dad. Oh, it was amazing. It was the perfect ending. Like like Chef's Kiss. It was so yeah. good. I, yeah, it was know, like the actually, that reminds me though. How about what was also perfect? And I, I almost wonder if they kind of did a little switching the crowd because it was almost too perfect. How about when Finau is talking about to his manager about how his son did 
and he's disappointed because the last round he shot a bad score, but that he's, he's disappointed because he kind of gave up on the round. Then they show him birdie the last hole to make the cut at the British Open. It's kind of pretty amazing, like how you know he doesn't you give, give up. up, right? You don't mm-hmm. give up, yeah. you keep battling no matter, even if you're not going to win, whatever. You do your best. That was pretty amazing. Um, also, I wanted to point out because we talked about it last episode. I think it was last episode. Um, golfers shooting hoops in this. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's tough. He's he coming off a new car cut. alarm. He's yeah. off a car alarm. That was that was hilarious. I mean, they they could show these guys make a couple shots. I mean, geez, right? You know what it's like in old in old westerns if they depict a villain, they put him in a black hat. Uh, yeah. In this episode, if there's a villain, he's shooting hoops. Right, he's shooting right. that. That's how you know that's it's a bad guy. That's the tell. That's the villain of the episode. <laughs> yeah, his form was not as good as DJ's. It wasn't terrible, no, but no. it wasn't as good as as DJ's. And for the record, as you guys know, because you've been on Zoom calls with me, as soon as the car alarm went off on the episode that I was watching, my dog completely flipped out and, and I had it. So, because it, um, so Colin Morikawa's bad shooting, uh, was, yeah. you know, the reason why there was a disruption in my house, um, just back to him talking about his son in the hotel room. I mean, that obviously worked for me as like a, a father of a golfer, like that, that feeling of sort of like living and dying with how they're doing and, and yeah. not only worrying about their score, but like how they handle it and their emotions. I didn't see, I didn't draw the direct connection, uh, between his son and, and him other than obviously more uh Tony Fina as a fighter you know the, you know his his whole career is based on his effort and working his way up and you know you didn't need to you didn't need to like prove the point by having him bury the last hole like that was just kind of part of his whole uh persona anyway but that whole part really worked for me and you're right the van the the end of the episode was perfect it was like it was like the end of the Waltons which you Alex you're too young to you guys are both too young to remember. I like believe it or not, I used to watch the Waltons as a kid on TNT with my. Yeah, parents. I remember it was on all the time, and I yeah. was like, "What is this?" Good night, John Boy. Good night, yeah. Mary Ellen. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I, I thought it was great, and you're right. Just, just back to the some of the stuff that Tony had said. You know, a winner is just a loser who never gave up. That's me to a T, and that's how I truly feel. You know, if you don't win, you learn. Of course, you know he all about learning from losing, which is a big theme for me, obviously. I thought that was really um, impactful. The part talking about his mom and him talking about the line, he says, I wanted to show the world not only the great player, but the person I was raised to be. Like that yes, one yes. crushed me. It was really good. Um, Shane was crying at that one. Shane I definitely was. was. <laughs> yeah, Shane was, Shane was a mess. Just uh, weeping like, seriously. <laughs> but it just, it just shows that like, that really is who he is. He's not a guy who's going to be defined by um, – his just his success and his record, but you know, who he is and how he interacts with people and how he interacts with, you know, the kids he raises and uh, that all comes across. So, you know, that was very well done. I was surprised they didn't ask him though, about that sweater. That was that's because he, he has been defined by questionable uh, attire. Yeah. And it was that Brown sweater at the open with the pink, you know, horizontal stripe that went, golf Twitter went nuts on. It. I thought they were going to ask him about it. They didn't. That was a missed opportunity. That's why oh, Morikawa was such a stickler in those meetings. Right. He just, exactly. he want to, he he's not going to, he, you know, he's messing, you know, he didn't want to mix the olive pants with uh, anything other than a white shirt. I, that's, that seems pretty smart to me. Um, we are critical sometimes of the talking head, not of the talking heads themselves, but of maybe the storytelling aspect of that. However, uh, one that I wrote down, Brandel Chambly, when he spoke about, I know many a great golfer who didn't like themselves when they were playing their best golf. I thought that was pretty profound and interesting. Oh, and that, that, that totally worked for me because 
I don't know if we've talked about it on this um, in these recordings, but that whole idea of someone who has to be, you know, monomaniacal and you know, singularly focused on on mm. their world and how that's their, you know, their path to being a great golfer. But obviously it might come at the cost of being a good person. You know, that's an ongoing theme with Rory as well, that Rory might be too balanced and have too much perspective in life to actually be a great player. Oh, we talked about with Joel Damon. That's who we talked about it with. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, is that really a thing with Tony Fino? Maybe, you know, maybe he's sacrificing, you know, two or three majors because he's a little too, you know, into his family. Sounds like a pretty good trade-off to me, but I, I get it. It's come up a lot lately with Tom Brady, obviously. I mean, that's the same, it's the same thing. You know, uh, you, you're, you're, we want to see these athletes driven to be the best they can be to, to, you know, achieve these new heights and whatever, but then you don't know at what expense it comes. Obviously we saw Brady, you know, the divorce and everything else. So, you know, on one hand, you understand why Finau is leaning into the family as he should. And then, and then the other hand, you can see how someone would be so driven and and focused that, uh, that that's all they would do. But I think Finau shows that you can do both. I mean, he's certainly trying to do both. And the fact that he had, I mean, right. You're right, Sam. It was a joke that they kind of made that a, a, a topic of discussion. Can he win with his family on the road? That was ridiculous, but it's kind of amazing that he would be traveling around with like 10 people. Um, obviously he's, you know, attending to their needs as well, at least to some extent, and to be able to keep playing such a high level of golf. I think that is pretty amazing, but you could argue that, that those distractions help him. So I think it's, it's, it's impossible to tell probably either way. No, I think that's a good point that it's not insignificant that he does that. No, and you're just, and you just wish their, their, you know, technique of employing that wasn't the many people are saying, technique. Exactly. <laughs> right. Right. Like, I mean, like you just wish they like, just talk about how weird it is or, or how unique it is and right. you know, how, how it could be tough or whatever. But yeah, I, um, I did think though, that as much as we didn't like that, that part of it, I do think the, the, the storytelling technique of taking everything about his mom and how difficult his first year was. And then the way they transitioned that into him explaining why he was bringing his wife with him mm-hmm. and the kids, because it was like, it was always there as the underlying thing. And then they kind of like hit you with a hammer with it. It's like, mm-hmm. this is why I'm doing this because I care more about my wife and I know what she's going through because I went through it and it's hell. And I was like, that is like, mm, that was, yeah. that was very, very good. I thought. Yeah. I will say that, um, you know, the logistics for him of traveling with his kids, I, to me, what I, what I came away with is that uh, as difficult as that is, um, it's so much easier than being away from them. So it doesn't feel like it's coming, you know, the, the sacrifice of being away from them and traveling, I think he would struggle even more. I mean, now I'm psychoanalyzing Tony Fina, but I think, um, you know, like, yes, it's a, it's a distraction. It's difficult, but he's not feeling that level of guilt and that feeling of, you know, of distance from his family that, you know, I think it's, it's worth it to him. I totally agree. And I didn't understand that till I had kids, but now I'm like, if I even just traveling the, the few times a year I do for golf, I'm like, I would love if my family could come with me. Yeah, I, would, yeah. I would choose them to come with me every single time because by Saturday, I feel like I'm a shell of a human being that <laughs> has lost all connection. And these guys are yeah. doing it, you know, eight times more than I'm doing it. And uh, yeah, right. probably That's crying something. in your room even more those days. Just, just, I'm uh, just constantly crying these days, Sam. I can't get away from it. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have HR get in touch with you. So thank um, you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I'm only a contractor, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I qualify. Uh, all right. The other thing I wanted to say uh, is the uh, angsty shakes, the, the Morikawa phrase, like 
the shortened version of the anxiety shakes mm-hmm. where he's talking about, you know, I, I just like that. I just wanted to point that out. I'd never heard it before. That's kind of a funny turn to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, I just think there's a, there was a lot more to Morikawa they could have gotten out of him. I mean, his t- his yeah. coach, Rick Sessinghouse is a great, you know, he's a, he's a perfect uh, guy. They should have been involved in the episode because he's a coach and he's a sports psychologist. Like he works with them on both sides of those things. He has great insight into, you know, players upbringing and what, you know, what motivates them and, and kind of how guys get to the next level. Again, understand that you only have X number of minutes to get to, you know, to be able to, to make it all work. But if I were going to build an episode around Colin Murakawa, that would definitely be a big part of it. And then I guess the last thing I joked about in the beginning, but how much does it suck for Scott Piercy that the tournament he happened to lose also yeah. happened to be the one that they had to feature for, for the Netflix right. documentary that so many people are going to see. Piercy for par on a five-shot lead over Tony Finau. Okay, so his first bobble of round four. That, that's right. like a, that's just a case of like insult to injury, right? Like right. had a horrible day, and now also we're going to commemorate it forever in this thing that yeah. potentially millions of people are watching. You know, I'm not really into golf, but then I watched that Netflix episode, and you're the guy that blew the was it the Rocket Mortgage Classic against Tony Fina? Three M, three M, three M open, right, right. So unbelievable. I I had forgotten about that that horrific bunker light he had, and then he chunked it into the wall. I mean, he made just a mess. That that was yeah. a pretty stunning. Stunning uh, tournament, but yeah, it, it, that is that is bad luck for uh, for Scott Piercy. So yeah, I think closing thoughts just for me is what we've been saying: uh, some good, some bad. The storyline stuff really kind of veered out of control in some cases here, but there was still I'm I guess it's a weird thing to say, but I'm still glad this episode exists because there was enough good in it that oh, it was there yeah. was it was fun, and I mean there were fun parts of it. It wasn't our favorite episode, but. I still, you know, for me, it's like press on and I, I can't wait for the last two. But it, I would say that this was, this might've been my second favorite episode. I thought it was, wow. it was wow. good. I mean, it's up to, again, it's up other than the first, which we've all established, got, got us off to a little bit of a slow start. There's been, you know, good momentum where we now expect really good things here. And, and, and the Fino stuff was, was so good. That I thought it put it over. I mean, we ended last time by, I was questioning, wow, Tony Finau and Kyle Morikawa are the next episode. How are they going to do that? Now the next one is Mito Pereira. Um, sorry to stray off the final thoughts here, but my final thought is like, okay, we kind of already <laughs> him to the PGA Championship. Um, yeah. It's really much more. We all know he's now going to live. I think that's like a 99.9% thing. I guess you could say back then they didn't, but not that that means they couldn't cover him, but um, it just seems like a bizarre choice to, for the penultimate, I love saying that word, episode to be uh, Mito Pereira. I don't know what you guys think. Well, actually, you raise a good point, and I'm sure we're going to talk about it after we watch episode seven, which I haven't watched yet. But, you know, they've covered, you know, various different uh, sort of dynamics of golf, right? They've talked about the guy who finishes, you know, T10 and the meaning of that, obviously winning a winning a major, Matt Fitzpatrick. and. Um, you know, these, all these things, the one thing they haven't covered yet is like a crushing loss, which is a huge part of golf. And obviously something that's fascinating to me. But they kind of did in with whom episode with Mito. They showed no, but they didn't know. They didn't really do it from his perspective. They, they say, yeah, they vaguely, they were very vague about it. Right. No, they, were, but also, they didn't like plumb the depths of his story. Like you didn't care about Mito Pereira and what it meant. You just knew that he lost. So my, my point is, is that, you know, like that, um, that experience through his perspective of having a chance to win and then blowing it. And then what had the rest of the season? Like, remember that was in May. 
It's a yeah. lot happened after that. So, so there's a lot there. There is a lot there to explore that I don't feel like it's going to be redundant. Just back to this episode really quickly. Uh, it, you said it was your second favorite episode. I might say it was not my second favorite episode per se, but Tony Finau was was way up there in one of my favorite storylines of this whole series. Like so, the Tony Finau part. Yep, was phenomenal. And I will say that one of the things I was critical of is, you know, it kind of felt disjointed because they had, you know, they sort of petered out on Colin Morikawa. But again, I'm kind of glad I did because the, the Fina stuff was so good. So, you know, overall, a lot of a lot of good stuff to make it a really good episode. Just, you know, I just a couple of things felt a little disconnected. Right. And they could have done just Fina. Oh, 100%. Done just Morikawa. And maybe we would have gotten into some of the other stuff you're talking about. So again, it's stuff. It's something to ask Chad Mum. What, where, when they draw the line? What you know? Because they had so much great female stuff. Why, why try to make it a combo episode? Yeah, it's an interesting choice for sure. When you pitch him on this, uh, on coming on, Sam, make sure you tell him we got a lot of hard questions for him. We're gonna grill him. I, I, you know, it's like I think all of these are like fun questions for him to. Explain. He's gonna have an explanation. No, I know Chad. He'll love this. He'll love this. I mean, he loves talking about this, and he's always got a smart perspective. So, and he's gonna acknowledge. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna have a reason for some of the things we might challenge him on. So, I I have no doubt that you know that there was a reason for everything, and and it's probably gonna be well explained. All right. Well, we've done it, guys. We're six out of eight. We're three quarters of the way through. If we were on a golf course, I I can't do the math, but we'd be on hole thirteen ish. The fourteenth fairway. I don't know. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, I guess uh, that's that. We've talked it out. This is good, and we'll we'll be back for episode seven. The rookies.